Hi everyone, I'm Laura and I'm doing the Bible reading. It comes from Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. The Lord had said to Abram, Leave your country, your people and your father's household and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you I will curse and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram left as the Lord had told him and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated and the people they had acquired in Haran and they set out for the land of Canaan and they arrived there. Abram travelled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Morah at Shechem. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there he went on toward the hills east of Bethel and pitched his tent, with Bethel on the west and I on the east. There he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. Then Abram set out and continued towards the Negev. It's so good to be with you today. It's been an interesting day. So you, you, when you're invited to come speak, you don't really know much about the church. I, I've got to know somebody. I've, over the years, I've worked with Evangelism Explosion. I've met uh, Lang and I have become very good friends over the years. And we did go on a couple of adventures. And we did shoot some guns and eat some barbecue. <laughs> but Rod Story and others and... And I looked at this couple here. I remember you before you were a couple. But but it's interesting as you come to speak and you don't know what's going to go on. And as you try to get a feel for people, we've been. This is the third service with you uh, today. We're having a great time. All the wonderful things that I've heard about your church were true, and the wonderful people. And so we've been thoroughly enjoying ourselves, especially as we head into this missions week. On there, and, and it really, we count it as an honor. We're invited here to speak, but we count it as a huge honor to be with you as your church focuses on world missions. What a special opportunity and significant time in the life of your church. I grew up on the mission field, so I grew up in a, in a little place called Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. How many of you have heard of that? So, so it's, it's, it's made, I guess because part of the Commonwealth, and we go, but you, normally I can go somewhere and feel Saskatoon, what? So Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, we, we have Saskatoon Berry Pie and Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. But I, but I grew up on our mission field, and then I've served in several different mission settings, and I'll tell you that um, there's something unique about being together with people who have a heart for missions. So I've been anticipating this uh, and excited about this, because when you join together people who have a heart for missions, there's an energy about it, and there's an excitement about it, but there's a fellowship that you have with Heart for Missions, it's unlike any other time. So I'm anticipating a wonderful week as we hear from the different missions and the missionaries and all the ministries and the opportunities from the church. What a highlight in the life of your church as you look ahead at all the missions that will be going out from this week. Well this, well, this evening, as we're here, we worship, and we're here because we worship a God who is on mission. We serve a God, we're related to a God who's on mission around this world. And the reason we're here tonight is because we are related to and we serve a God on mission. So as I'm sharing, we have a, you have a Canadian here today who, as my wife says, Texas improved, who got to know some of 
your members from Australia while we were in Malaysia many years ago. And, and I started wondering about that. I was thinking about how we get connected when we come into a, a, a meeting like this and get to fellowship with you. And, and I've really been thinking about that. And, I, and my wife, Dana, and I have been talking about all the friends we have around the world. Langdon keeps, comes up often. But others, and we started thinking, how in the world is a kid from Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, and a girl that was raised on a ranch in a little town called Hasselet, Texas, it had... That didn't even have a corner store. Didn't even have a store there. How in the world could we have so many friends, wonderful friends all over the world? And just amazing friends. And we, and we talk about friends in Africa, friends in South Africa, friends in you know, Australia, friends in New Zealand, all over Asia. And we started talking about our friends. And the, the reason we have all these wonderful friends and relationships is because we relate and we serve a God who's on mission. And as we walk with him and as we serve with him, as we obey him and we go on mission with him, it, we encounter people all over the world. And this week, so far, just, just in this, the two days we've been here, I've made some friends that I'm assuming if you come by our place in the States, you're welcome to come stay. And we'll go fishing and we'll go do things. But you just build these relationships. And the sad thing for me is, is we've shared that at times with people who've grown up in church they look at us like we're from Mars and say, what, you know, people, you have these people from this place and you have people from that place and, and you're going over where and you're doing all this stuff and they look at us and they have no reference point. And I'm thinking there's people that we've sat with in church that have been in church year after year after year and yet their circle of friends and fellowship is very small and I'm thinking every year that you walk with your Lord who is on mission with God, it ought to expand your circle of influence, but also the people and the, the joy and the, and the fun that you have serving God on mission. And so I, I just assume as we go through the year that we're going to make more friends because we're walking with God who's going to link us with other people on mission with Him. And so that'll be, that's going to be something for us that's very exciting on there. So, so with that, um, as we look at it, um, how, do we, how do we get involved in so much of what we're doing is because we serve a God who is on mission. Well, that same truth is true today. And so we look all through the Old Testament, all through the New Testament, and we're going to see that, that our God is on mission. And we'll look at the passages that we walk through, but he'll say he's on mission on this, in this world. And there's a second thing that he does, and we'll see this through the passage that we're going to look at, is that while he's on mission, for some reason, God has chosen to use his people to join with him on mission to accomplish his work. And you'll be hearing about that all this week, but if you catch that, as we read the passage and we look at it, we serve a God who is on mission around this world constantly, but has chosen to use his people to join with him on mission as he's going out around this world. And so I want to look at a familiar text. It's been read already, but we're going to look at a text for a famous kind of very familiar text in the book of Genesis, it's starting in chapter 12, where God calls Abram into this mission. But before we do that, I want to give you a little bit of background. So if you're familiar with your scriptures, well, if you, want to, if you have your Bible with you, if you want to turn to Genesis chapter 12, but I want to talk to you a little bit before we get into Genesis chapter 12, just a little context. So I'm going to have a PhD in archaeology and Old Testament, so I can't just skip through everything on it. We're going to cover a little bit on the Old Testament. So Genesis chapter 1 and 2, what happens in Genesis chapter 1 and 2? 
We have the creation account, don't we? So this beautiful picture of God, and he creates the universe. And what else does he do in that? He creates the universe. What else did he do? In that, he has this relationship with humanity, doesn't he? So he presents this beautiful picture of how God speaks things into existence, and he creates the universe, and he creates humanity for this fellowship, this relationship of love. Now, what happens in Genesis chapter 3? Sin enters in, doesn't it? You have the, the, you have the account of the garden and Adam and Eve, but you have sinners in. And what happens with that relationship in humanity when sin enters in? It severs the relationship. It messes it up, doesn't it? And this huge mess that happens in chapter 3. And so this beautiful picture that God's created everything. He's created the universe. He's created all the wonderful things in it. He's put mankind in there, this relationship with him. Chapter 3 happens, and this relationship is severed. And then we see this horrible picture starting in Genesis chapter 4. Chapter 4 through chapter 11, you see this, this horrible thing, this mess. What happens with sin? You have this beautiful picture. Sin enters in. What's the first story in chapter 4? This awful story about Cain and Abel and murder, isn't it? And then you move from Cain and Abel and you go a little bit farther and you see Noah and his day and his generation and, and the sin and the different, the, all the destruction, all the stuff going on in Noah's day where God finally ultimately judges him and brings the flood. And you have this wonderful promise, but after you have this promise and this restoration, what happens after Noah's day? In chapter 11, we have this story of these arrogant people and their Tower of Babel that they build. And so what you see from Genesis 1 and 2, this beautiful picture that gets disrupted in chapter 3 and this mess that happens. And then from 4 to 11, you have this broadening mess. Is humanity, is it going to work? Is What's going to happen? How have they got so far away from God? And then we come to our chapter we're going to look at today, chapter 12. And in chapter 12, with this call of Abraham, you see God is beginning a new work. God is going to do something new. And it's a significant passage for, for, for us today, but God has begun something new. So God is going to go on mission. He said, I'm going to do something. I'm going to do something to make sure that humanity can be restored, that the relationship with God can be restored, that that whole relationship of love that he created us for, to relate to him and serve him and love him and just relate and understand God. He says, I'm going to start something here that's going to change that. And he's going to come to Abram and he's going to start on mission it was going to start with a man named Abram. So let me read the passage. That's the beginning, the context for it. But let me read the passage again, and let you just, and we'll just, then we'll just kind of unlock a couple of things in here. So, so, so Genesis chapter 12, starting at verse 1. So now the Lord said to Abram, Get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house, to a land I will show you. I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you. And make you a great name, make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and curse him who curses you. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abraham departed as the Lord had spoken to him. And Lot went with him. And Abraham was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Now as we, as we look at this, a couple things I want to point out. Is that God takes the initiative to call Abram. God is on mission. He says, I'm going to change this mess. I'm going, to, I'm going to find a solution to bring man back into relationship with him. He says, I'm going to do this. I'm going to start with Abram. And he takes the initiative, and he comes and calls Abram. And as you look at the text, it's important to know that how does he describe Abram? It doesn't tell us that Abram was all qualified. It doesn't go through all the reasons why he chose Abram. It didn't say Abram was better than anybody else. We know he's an amazing guy. We see that as we walk through his life. 
But he doesn't say, well, Abraham was more special than anybody else. He doesn't say Abraham had better qualities than anybody else. God took the initiative to call Abraham to join in the mission that he was begun. You know, that, that pattern hasn't changed all the way through Scripture, all the way from Genesis to Revelation. We're going to see that over and over and over and over and over again, that God is on mission, and he chooses to come to people and involve them in what he's doing. And this week, as you hear the different opportunities, it's important for us to realize that it wasn't about Abram. It wasn't about his qualifications. It wasn't about all that he had done. It was about the God who was on mission. And you'll, many of you will find that God is going to come right in the middle of your life this week and is going to call you to something that he's doing. Now, how many of you have been asked to do something or, or you sense God calling you to do something and say, well, I'm not qualified? Have you ever done that? Have you ever had someone on, your, on the church staff here come to you and say, you know, we have this great opportunity, we see God working, and we'd like to see you, maybe if you'd be a part of that, and, and what's sometimes our immediate response? I'm not qualified to do that. I can't do that. How many of us do that? Have you done that? What do we see in the text here? It wasn't about Abram. Who's it about? It's about God. And he was on mission. And he chooses to call his people to join him on mission. Well, as we look a little bit farther in here, it's interesting. I want to, there's so much in this passage that we, we won't have time to look at. But there's one phrase I want to pick up on here in verse 3. When he calls Abram, he tells him he's going to send him to the land. I'll make you uh, your, your great nation. I'll bless you. But he says here, I will, he says, I will make your name great, and you should be a blessing it says, and you will be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. He says, Abram, I'm going to bless you. But I'm not going to bless you just for yourself. It's not a self I'm not just going to do this wonderful work in you and bless you for any reason. Why does he bless him? He says, I'm going to bless you so that your life will be a blessing to all the families in the earth. So through your life, you will be a blessing to every other family in the world. That's the heart of missions, isn't it? Is that God takes his people and he blesses them and he works in their life and he does amazing things in that relationship, but it's never just for you. When you came to a relationship, if you're here today in a personal relationship to Jesus Christ, you realize he blessed you, didn't he? But it wasn't just for you, was it? Now, have you experienced a blessing? Yes, the love of God that overwhelms us and gives us purpose and gives us a sense of belonging and he brings us into a fellowship and a church and all that's involved in that relationship but it wasn't just for us, was it? He says, Abraham, I'm going to bless you so that you can be a blessing that in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. And that's what we'll be talking about this week in mission. That God wants to bless us and do amazing things in us, but not just for us, but so that we can join him on his mission to be a blessing to all the families in the earth. What a privilege. So often, I, I, I'm learning more about your country. But I know in the two countries I've spent by my life, half and half in Canada and the United States. And so often when we read the Scriptures, we get so self-centered on there that it's about me, about what I'm going to get. And right from the beginning on this call, it's about, I'm going to bless you, and God does that. But not for you. It's because God has a heart and a love for this world. He says, I'm going to bless you so that I can use you 
so that you'll be a blessing for every other family in this entire world. Well, as we look at that, I look at Abram in an amazing story with that. But he says this, God calls Abraham to join him. And I thought about this blessing. What is the blessing that he talks about? And maybe we'll just touch on that just a little bit. But he says, what is this blessing? I'm going to bless you so that all the families of the earth will be blessed. Where's it? And it begins in Genesis chapter 12, but this blessing is what? It's going to come from Abram. It's going to walk through the patriarchs. Remember your, your, your Bible history. It walks through the patriarchs. So you see Abram's son. You see, go through the life of Joseph, and then you go through Moses, and you see the blessing that comes through Joshua, and then you go through and you see with Samuel, and then who do you see? You see David, and we see all the prophets going through on this blessing, don't we? And then where does it come to? It comes to our New Testament. And you see, ultimately, this blessing is going to come through the life, the death, the burial, the resurrection, the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, our Lord. But it doesn't stop there, does it? Then it goes on into this book, wonderful book in our New Testament called the Book of Acts. And it shows the early church that they continue to be this blessing to all the other families in the nation. And it goes through our epistles, and you think of the different people, and not just through all the way through the Revelation, but it doesn't stop there, does it? Then it goes through our church history all the way to today at Fig Tree. This blessing that he's talking about here that we read in Genesis chapter 12, where says, Abram, I'm on mission. I want you to join with me. And I'm going to bless you, but I'm going to use you to bless all the, all the families of the earth. It didn't stop there. It goes all the way to us. You realize we are part of this blessing. If you're a Christian here today, united with Christ, you're part of this blessing that he's continuing on to bless all the families in this world, but he intends to use us to bring this blessing. How exciting is that? I don't know about you, but that's pretty exciting to me. And I look at that, I relate to a God, and I look at, as we study other religions, and we look and we see all the different teachings out there, and you realize, do you realize as Christians, we serve the true and one and only God who's on mission that chooses to use us to be a blessing through missions. And what a wonderful, wonderful picture that he puts here. Well, I want to deal with several, several things in our short time. But as we look at this, and we look at this passage, I want to pray that you would reflect on, on how God wants to use you as a blessing. But let's look a little bit about, we see God's on mission, but what about Abram? Because he's a part of this too, isn't it? Even though this is a story about our Heavenly Father, this is a story about how God's working, we still have to see that he works with people. So what about Abram? Now let's see, he's 75 years old at this time, but, but look at how, how many of you today sitting here, think about what he, Abram, he calls Abram, he comes to him, and the actual the Hebrew word is more of a, it's more, we call it a calling, it's more of a summons. And he comes to him and he says, he gives him a summons, you need to come, and what, is he, what do you do? He says, leave all this familiar to you. Leave your family, leave your home, leave your tradition, leave everything you have, and what does he ask him to do? Go to a land I'm going to show you. Now, how many of you would be excited about that today? So as your leadership here is having your missions conference, said, we want everybody here who's wanting to immediately leave everything that's familiar to them and pick up and go somewhere else. We'll have a line up here, and you can sign up, and we'll send you out tomorrow. How many of you would be really excited about that? <laughs> Anybody? Got a couple of hands. 
He's asked him to do something pretty interesting, hasn't he? Pick up and go. Some of you this week will be challenged to do that. Do you realize if God is going to have this blessing to all the families of the earth that he's going to need to use us? He doesn't need to, but he's chosen to do that. And you've seen that in some of the lives of your congregation already. Some of you he may very well ask to do that. As I'll share with you some, but that's, that's what happened to my family. So I, my, I have an American mom and a Canadian dad. And when my dad was at school, they, he was in, in the States, and he started ministering. And, and he actually was in the L.A., Los Angeles area. And he was pastoring a, a huge church. The church was this growing church. He was a chaplain to Nassau at the time. He was doing all kinds of these amazing ministries in this massive city of Los Angeles and all the people around there. And, and he was actually involved with, with dealing with all kinds, just huge ministries. And then God comes to my parents and says, I want you to leave what's familiar to you. I want you to leave all where you're comfortable, and I'm going to take you to a little place called Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. So at the time, it was a church of seven people. Our family, we had, we had, five, we had there were four boys and a girl on the way, so the seven of us, we doubled the church. The day we joined, we doubled the church. What a glorious Sunday. They doubled the membership in one day. There were seven people. The, the annual, or not the annual, but the, the tithing for three months before my parents got there was $33. And he took my Southern California mom and put her in a place that it can get 100 below Celsius, but it's 42, it evens out, I think, it's Celsius and Fahrenheit. And he took from an income to where we had to wait and see what farmers would bring us in for food. And he picked us up, and he took us, and he put us in this place of seven people, and he said, I want you to go because I'm on mission. Some of you may have that happen to you. Now, does that sound like an awful thing? Does it sound like a horrible thing, if you're honest about it? There's this little book you may have read called Experiencing God. And my dad wrote an account about what God did through that church. But if I remember right, after the, the 13 years we were there, when God started and there was what God wanted to do, there's a thing called the Saskatoon Revival that happened there. Remember over 100 college kids coming to faith in Christ and going into ministry? Churches spreading all over Canada and the world coming out of there. A theological training institute that started, a seminary that's in Canada because of that little church. There were seven people that no one else would have looked at that church and thought, you know what, actually, the, and I didn't tell you, but this, we'll get, I'll get sidetracked here, but the church voted to disband, and my dad came anyways. So not only were there seven people, but they voted to disband, and then they showed up. Some of you, it may be that God calls you to step out. Let me tell you and bear witness, as someone who's walked in those shoes, it was worth it. We got to join God on mission. And it wasn't about us, and it wasn't about our family, and it wasn't about my parents qualified, or it wasn't about what we were going to experience. It was about God and what he was doing, and he invited us to join him. And I will guarantee you, you talk to anybody in my family, we will bear witness and testimony. We're so thankful our parents did that. We've been on a journey, an exciting journey ever since. 
But it may be that, that you're at a place in life where you, where you realize you, maybe he's not calling you out to step out and do like we see with Abraham. But when he says bless all the families of the earth, that means in a wide variety, doesn't it? It, doesn't, it just be, it can be short-term missions. It can be long-term missions. It can be things in your city. It may be someone who who's has physical health problems, say, I can't go out and do this, or I can't just pick up and leave. But it's not, it's not just simply going and picking up and leave. That's one example of the calling, but, it, but ministry takes a wonderful opportunity, all different types of ministries. So we've been, as we for Joe, I was telling someone, so I've been in motorcycle ministries, I've been in fishing ministries, there's a theme with that. <laughs> Every kind of ministry, anything you can imagine to do, we've been out and doing it in ministry. And you may find that God is going to call you this week and say, maybe not pick you up and move you to another land, he'll show you. On the other hand, it could be that he'll take you across your street. He'll take you in your neighborhood. He'll take you to the next city. He'll take you maybe in a prayer life to be praying for missions. It may be that your sacrifice and what he's called you to do is, is to dig into your pockets and realize, God, you bless me. And I hear the opportunities, and I'm going to give my money for that. And I'm going to serve with that way. But, but, it, but it's a large variety of ways. But, but the key is that God took the initiative, and he called Abram. And what do we see Abram doing? In verse 4 it says, So Abram departed from, as the Lord had spoken to him. What is Abram's response? God says, I want to pick you up and take you over. Now before we go too far, how many details were in this call? Abram, you're all comfortable, and I want to, I want to take you, and I want to send you. How many details were in this call? <laughs> Not many, were there. To land, I'm going to show you. What does he got to do? He's got to pick up and he's got to go. Now, let me ask you another question. How many of you would be excited over to say, God, I need some more details? You've got to give me some more plans, God. You've got to make sure I've got to know all this stuff before I'm going to step out. What does Abram do? He steps out of faith. Now, what do you suppose is going to happen when Abram steps out of faith? So God's on mission. He's called him. He's going to use him. He's got this plan that's going to come all the way to our day. And he uses him as this great example of faith. He steps out of faith. What should happen when he steps out of faith? If you're writing the story, how would you put it? What's does well, doesn't he? It should go well, right? He's going to obey the Lord. And if you go through and you look at the account that we have here, and we won't read it all, but if you have your Bible and you flip through, you look, that's in chapter 12, but in the, immediately after he steps out of faith, you know what he faces? Severe famine in the land. So he goes to a land that he doesn't know what he's doing. The Lord takes him there, and then he takes him to a land that's got a famine. And then he goes to Egypt, and in there he, he struggles, and he lies, and he gets in this big mess, and God has to deliver him out of Egypt. And if you follow the biblical account a bit farther, you'll see as soon as he gets out, God delivers him out of Egypt. He has these family issues with Lot and his business. So he has business issues. He has family issues. He has to separate from, from Lot, his nephew. And then from there, Lot makes this horrible decision. He goes and lives among the people of Sodom. You, you heard about Sodom and Gomorrah? There's some issues in Sodom and Gomorrah, isn't there? But these, then, then you have a region of war. These kings come in from over in the east, and they, they battle with the Canaanite kings. And in that whole process, they grab Lot, and they take him off. And, and Abram's sitting there living his life, and he hears the news. They've, they've captured your, your nephew. So Lot's got to gather his people, and he's got to go get in a regional war, and, and, and all this mess happens. Why does the Bible include that? And sometimes he does really bad, and sometimes he does really good, but he steps out in faith to follow God on this mission, and everything breaks loose. Is that the way you'd write the story? But our Bible 
gives us these examples and lays it out for us so we see what the real world is like, what it happens when you follow God. And often, when you follow God, it doesn't look very good. When you step out there, everything breaks loose. And it's not trying to sugarcoat it and, or, or hide over the, or gloss over the things. Abram steps out in faith, and what happens? Everything turns upside down. Do you suppose that this week, as you're praying and you're joining in with your church, as you're looking at how God's going to use you in mission, and you step out and say, you know what, I'm going to make that financial decision to support this ministry, or I'm going to go on this short-term mission trip, or I'm going to go across this apartment complex and share the gospel. I'm going to be involved somehow. I'm going to go. I'm related to a God who's on mission. I'm going to join him. Don't be surprised if things turn upside down. That's what happened to Abram. And our Bible doesn't gloss over it. But the exciting thing is to see that as he walks through, the question, I, when I start reading through this, it's amazing to me, is I have to ask myself the question, was God surprised when he got into the land and there was famine? Did God wring his hands and say, oh no, I, can't, I took him to the wrong land? No. God is not taken by surprise, is he? He created this universe. It's his plan and his mission. And as Abraham's following him, it's not Abraham's plan, it's God's plan. God's not taken by surprise. When all the mess happens and the regional wars and all the opportunities and everything going on, God's not up there saying, wait a second, I need this plan B, I need a plan C, how am I going to do this? I got to, oh no, I got Abraham out there. I got to, no, God has got complete confidence. He's on mission. It's God's mission. He simply invited Abraham to join him. Abraham didn't know all the plans. He steps out of faith and then it's, everything breaks loose. I was sharing with someone who's a regional missionary in our area that we were coming here and he, and he laughed. He said, Norm, says, you guys had so much craziness in your life and disaster and everything else. For you. So you can speak for hours on, on everything turning upside down when you step out to follow God. But I bear witness to you that he's faithful. So I, I, I was on my way to law school, and I became a Christian. And God called me into ministry. I turn around and left everything on my plans and my agenda to serve him when I go to a seminary to go study. In fact, some of my friends who were on lost, I mean, they, they, when they got wealthy, they, call, they were calling me and they were saying, you know, how's things going for you now? And, and people couldn't even believe that I actually went to seminary. Some people actually drove to the school to see if I was in a classroom. They didn't believe. They put a bet. There's no way black could be made into a seminary. They really did. They really came up showing. I saw them looking through the windows. I know those guys. But I get there, and I'm serving, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to follow God. And then I take a vaccination that I'm, I'm jogging, I'm weightlifting, playing racquetball on a Saturday. I took the vaccination Saturday, and by Monday I couldn't walk. I ended up couldn't use my hands, couldn't feed myself. I couldn't even crawl down these stairs. At times, I had to get people to carry me around at times. And my fr the first doctor that looked at me said, Norm, you're going to die. And so what do you do when your doctor tells you you're going to die? You get a second opinion. <laughs> so I got a second opinion. The next doctor said, you know what? You're not going to die, but you're never going to walk again. You know what I did? Got a third opinion. And this doctor said, I have no idea what's going to happen, but I'll work with you, and we'll just pray that God leads us through there. I stuck with him. I outlived all three of those doctors, by the way. And I'm walking, and I'm actually playing hockey now. And so 
I tell you, though, that things may turn upside down as you serve in missions, as you accept a call and join God on mission. But I'll bear witness to you, you will never, ever, ever, ever regret it. Because there's another theme that runs through this text. And that's it. while Abraham was struggling to live this out, God was walking with him, taking care of every detail to protect him. When Abram goes to Egypt and he lies and gets in a mess, I thought about for us, how many of us have looked in that judgmental way and say, well, he lied, didn't he? You know, should have, how many of us would have left him in Egypt? Had a mess, he, he made it, he made his own bed, he didn't sleep in it. What does God do? God delivers him. Lot makes this horrible mess and he gets same with the people of Sodom. And he gets carted off and as you look at the story, Abram goes and he takes his people and he goes and, and sets them free and they get in combat and they deliver them. Well, you look at these four kings as opposed to Abram and his servants. Completely outnumbered, but there's a priest in this account by Melchizedek that says, God gave you the victory. And we come to chapter 15 in the story of Abraham, when we see him discouraged, this amazing thing to me is he's discouraged. He's wondering about this call. How's it ever going to happen? It's been years, and he's wondering, what's going on? Is God ever going to fulfill all this call? And God comes to him, and he says these wonderful things. He says, don't be afraid, Abram. And you're, just, you're discouraged about it? Don't be afraid. He says, I'm your shield and your exceedingly great reward. And even when he was in his discouragement, what did God do? He encourages him, I'm your shield, I'm your protector, I'm your exceedingly great reward, and he enters into what we call the Abrahamic covenant, where God makes a covenant in front of the promise with Abram. And my thinking in my head was God promised in chapter 12 he would do all this stuff. When God gives his word, it's solid, isn't it? He didn't have to go make a covenant after that. He already gave his word. God's word is good. And yet he knew Abram was struggling, and he comes in and says, don't be afraid. I'm your shield. I'm your seed and the great reward. I will take care of you. I will bless you. I will make sure all this stuff that I promised happened. Now, why did he do that? Because it was his mission. He was simply asking Abraham to join him on what he was going to do. It's an amazing passage. But with that, we want to touch on just a couple things, this last, last couple things with this passage, then our time is, is coming to a close. We have these accounts in the Scripture. This is not for information. It's not for bedtime stories. This is real accounts of how God has walked with his people. And we have these accounts so that all people who follow God after can look at these and realize how God works and the faithfulness of God. These are a testimony of the God that we serve as Christians today. And he's the same God here as he is today that we serve. And our text tells us we serve a God who is on mission. And we see he started this mission with Abram, but it goes all the way through to us today at Fig Tree to be a blessing to every family in the earth. And we see a God that's not only on mission, but he chooses to have his servants join in. And you will see this week, you may have already sensed it before this mission week even began that God chooses to use his people to join him on mission. 
I can promise you that God who calls him in chapter 12 of Genesis is calling us. It's part of being related to him. We serve a God on mission. We don't tell God what we want to do. It's not about us. It's not about us being blessed. It's God blesses us in this relationship with Jesus Christ so that we can be used to bless others. That's a guarantee. That's a promise. That's a truth running through Genesis to Revelation all the way to our day. And so as we have this mission conference this week, you're going to see many, many opportunities to serve. God has put on your leadership's heart partners to have. He's put significant ministries. There's ministries all over going on. God is at work everywhere. But there's specific things that have been put on the heart of your leadership here that God wants to use Fig Tree and the people of Fig Tree to change this world, to be a blessing to other families around the world. And you may find, if you have an open heart, that you may be someone who God pinpoints and says, you know what, I want to pick you up. I'm going to take you from everything familiar, familiar and put you in a land that I will show you. The text tells us if God calls you to do that, join in. It may look crazy when it happens, but God is faithful to walk you through it. And I'll promise you so far in our journey, he's never been, never been unfaithful. He's never let us down. It's never been boring. It's been an exciting adventure that gives us more and more friends around the world every year that we get to celebrate with. Or you may be in a position that you realize, you know what, I can't go and that call like that. One of the results of my vaccination and the struggle is I can't go to any nation where I need a vaccination again. Last one was kind of damaging. I still hurt. My legs hurt today from that vaccination from 26 years ago. I can't go any. So Rod's story is one of the things they're looking at with EE is, is the ministry in Ethiopia. I can't go there. I can't have a vaccination. There may be some limitations that you have. There may be some reasons why, why this something like that would be something you couldn't do. You may be, as a, as a young adult, and you're looking at where God has you, but there's different things you can be a part of. I know that I can help it financially. I know that even more than that, I can be a prayer warrior for it. I know that I can join God on mission, and maybe I'm doing it through my finances, maybe through prayer, maybe all different kinds of ways, but you need to have your heart open to that this week. God will be speaking to you, and he will be calling you to join him. He's on mission. And so, as we go through this week, you realize we are here because we serve a God on mission. How fun is that? You look at people that don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, and you look at where they're going and the direction they're going and what's going on in their life, and you hurt for them because they're missing the fun and the joy of being on mission. And I was talking to Langland earlier, after one of the services, I thought, you have a very special church here. I'm jealous that I can't be a member here. Well, we'd love to stay. <laughs> um, but it's unique what God's doing among you. I'd heard about your church long before I ever got to come here. I've heard about how God's used you in missions and being blessings to families around the world. I've literally heard about your church for years. And I thought, how sad would it be for someone to live here and be a part of this church and miss the blessing that so many others are going to experience as God takes you around this world? And I want to encourage you tonight, do not miss out on the blessing 
of being a blessing as God takes your church and uses you around the world. Wouldn't that be an awful thing to realize he's doing a wonderful thing and using your church and yet you attend every Sunday and miss out while others are growing and excitement and being on mission with God and maybe things are going all up and down and every way sideways as they're following missions, but God is faithfully watching and taking care of them and using them. And wouldn't it be sad if some of you were here and you missed out on that joy and that experience? So I would encourage you to take part in this conference this week. You're going to hear from some wonderful missions missionaries. You're going to hear from some wonderful activities that God is inviting your church to be on mission with Him. And encourage you to keep an open heart as you hear the testimonies this week. Let me have a word of prayer with you and I'll turn it back over to Langdon. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the testimony you give us in Scripture. The bear witness of you and your faithfulness. And we're thankful, we're so thankful that you are on mission. Lord, you were on mission when you came to us and you saved us and you blessed us in the relationship with Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray for each of us that we would have open hearts and we would realize that you've blessed us so that we can be a blessing to all the families of the earth. We thank you for your love. We pray these things in your name. Amen.